stay tuned. Yeah. We're Bill and Seth with this comic book podcast. Keep safe. We're talking about two old, two new comic books on a podcast. Two old and two Welcome to Two Old, Two New Comic Book Podcast. My name is Bill Beer, and joining me tonight, as always, Black Adam to my Captain Marvel. Yes, I said it. Captain Marvel, <laughs> Seth Howard. That's right. Funny enough, my middle name is Adam, so it works. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So as always, on the show, two new comic books, two old comic books. It's pretty simple. Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. So let's go ahead and jump right in, and let's start with the old books. And do you want to start off? Uh, sure, yeah. So I decided to, for my old one, go back to an old, old one. Uh, this is going to take us back to Shazam, or Captain Marvel, as he was called back then. <laughs> All right, my uh, old comic was uh, goes way back. It's uh, actually from the Marvel family comics and not the Marvel everyone's thinking of. This is actually Captain Marvel, a.k.a. now known as Shazam. Uh, this goes all the way back to 1945, the December issue of the Marvel Family Number 1. So, yeah. Um, it is uh, a fun comic. The reason I picked this one was uh, this past summer, right? How long has it been since the Shazam movie came out? That was uh, Bill, April. April. Was it April? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Shazam kind of built my trust back into uh, some of the DC movies because, my goodness, that was a heck of a fun movie uh, to go watch. Um, if all of you out there have not seen it, it's out on video now. Rent it, buy it, whatever. It's it's hilarious. It's actually a great DC comic book film. So, it's actually one of my favorite. Right? Was it not just hilarious? I and know. It, it, it was funny, <laughs> and it tied into the comics and, you know— if you weren't a comic reader, you still enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it really took the original stories and uh, gave kind of new backgrounds or new um, character stories for the Marvel family, which is great. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, the actor, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but in Chuck, he was hilarious, and he plays the perfect 13-year-old superhero. So uh, it was great. So basically, this comic here, when I was a kid, I remember being at my cousin's house, and he had a laser disc player with this laser disc of Shazam, and I remember watching these cartoons of Shazam. So, um, even though most of my childhood was Batman and stuff, I after the Shazam movie, I remembered I was like, wait a minute, I used to watch these Shazam cartoons, and even uh, read some of the comics back in the day. Uh, we're just pretty funny. Um, but anyway, Marvel Family Comics, uh, December nineteen forty-five. The only way to get this comic that I saw is um, Comicsology. You download the uh, seventy-five years. Uh, Shazam, a celebration of 75 years, which is great. A lot of great stories. But this one's in here um, because it introduces Black Adam. It's the first time you see Black Adam, but it also gives you a backstory for the rest of the Marvel family. Uh, so as you start out, the great picture on front is, of course, Black Adam standing on a cliff hurtling rocks at Shazam, uh, Mary Marvel, and Captain Marvel Jr. Well, sorry, I say Shazam, but it's Captain Marvel Captain Marvel Jr. and Mary Marvel. Yeah, what else would you do, you know? You're, cap <laughs> just, you're Captain Adam, it. you just pick up a bunch of boulders and yeah. just start throwing. Yeah, this big rock hits, you know, Captain Marvel right in the face. So <laughs> it's a great, again, it uh, harkens back to that art style from back then, which is great. Art style I know we've discussed with the old Batman, panel to panel. I just love it. It's classic. It just reminds me of my childhood uh, so much with these uh, comics. Uh, but just to kind of give you, um, I'm going to read this little bit for you. It says, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., and Mary Marvel. Each of these names alone makes a great story, but now all three Marvels combine in the greatest adventure of all as the mighty Marvel family wages grim battle against the most frightful menace of the ages, Black Adam. So the great thing about this, if you've never read any Shazam, Captain Marvel, 
this is a great issue to get into, even though Shazam had appeared in Wiz Comics before them. Sorry, I keep saying Shazam. It should be Captain Marvel. Anyway, it's a whole other discussion. <laughs> appears. <laughs> Uh, it shows a picture of the, the Rock of Eternity. Everybody knows about that. There stands the Rock of Eternity, and it starts with an old Shazam, who is the name of the actual wizard, um, but the Egyptian wizard is what he always was, was an Egyptian wizard. And he's sitting there telling the story of the Marvel family, but he's chipping it into stone. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, <laughs> you he's think there like, would be an easier way to do that. I mean, the dude's a wizard, like, shoot it in with a laser or something, but no, he's just like, Tip, 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 you know, chipping it in, and it says, An old Shazam, the wise Egyptian wizard who once dwelt on Earth, now chisels here an eternal record on the everlasting stone. So, uh, And it says, Record of the mighty Marvel family living on Earth, fighting evil, are Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., and Mary Marvel. And then it says again, this is the great part. So, again, the creation of Black Adam. It says, I, Shazam, created them to fight evil on Earth, but also it must be recorded that before them I created Black Adam, much to my sorrow. I called him Mighty Adam first. But when he turned evil, I renamed him Black Adam. And again, he's chiseling this all out, chiseling it all, <laughs> chiseling it all out. Just so, because he's so old, just right. in case he doesn't remember it at some point, he can go and look on the wall and read it. Yeah. <laughs> and it talks about, here's the story of he returned to challenge the might of the Marvel family. There's a little bit more to it there. But um, uh, so goes after showing the stones, he's chiseling. There's Billy Batson. Everybody loves Billy Batson. Uh, he's a star boy newscaster. And uh, Billy's talking to his boss, uh, Mr. Morris, and says, hey, the Astronomical Observatory reports an unidentified object approaching Earth from far out in space. Go and see what it's all about. So Billy's like, I will, Mr. Morris. And uh, some of these panels are my favorite. So he goes to the observatory. There's an old man there looking through a telescope. And, hey, what is it? What's coming in? Is it a comet, a meteor? And uh, the old professor says, well, we, we can't make it out yet. It's very small, but it's coming at the speed of light, and it will reach Earth soon. And uh, and so Billy's like, will it cause any damage? And the professor's going up this you know, staircase. He goes, I don't know. I won't be able to tell until I see the object more clearly. I'm going to use this big telescope, even though it needs repairs. So the best thing is, is like, rather than saying some fancy name for a telescope, <laughs> I'm going to use this big telescope, which I thought is hilarious. Um, Cause you got to think of like the big observatories and the big telescopes. And of course it's broken. The giant telescope starts to fall on the professor and the professor goes, Oh, I shouldn't have tried to use it. <laughs> And, of course, Billy sees this. We'll both be crushed. And he says, Shazam. Boom. There he is. Uh, the greatest part is about any time in the old comics when Billy says Shazam or Captain Marvel Jr. says Captain Marvel or Mary Marvel says Shazam. Uh, it shows the same picture, which is a black cloud. A lightning bolt comes out. And it's pretty cool to as you're reading throughout because you know the instant when they say it because there's a whole panel of just this. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, uh, whenever in trouble or danger, Billy shouts the name of the old wizard Shazam and magic lightning flashes down, changing him to the great Captain Marvel. That's right, Captain Marvel. Uh, so Captain Marvel appears, uh, saves uh, the old professor, and then lowers the giant telescope to the floor. And then again, we cut back to uh, the wizard Shazam, and it's great because it gives you the whole back history of the Marvel family. And it says, upon the rock of eternity, old Shazam continues recording the amazing story. And he's still chipping away. <laughs> You're probably wondering who this Captain Marvel is and where he came from. So uh, he was just an obscure orphan. He came to a forgotten subway tunnel at my summons. He passed the uh, seven deadliest, the man's seven deadliest enemies and came to my secret abode. And there they are just kind of chiseled in rather than full on statues. Yes. And, you know, so, every time you see this, it's sort of a different version. Totally, but yeah. When you saw this in the movie, I sort of got the chills because mm -hmm. you're used to seeing this so much. Yeah. And, and and the wizard sitting in like the throne and yep. very cool. Yeah. They, they did a, a great job of, you know, throwing it back to some of these old comics. Yep. You get to look and where it's what it says underneath what it is. It's kind yeah. of like this remind me of like the different variations of the bat cave you see. You know, whatever artist is rendering it. Oh, hey, right. it looks like yep. this. Yep. Um, same idea with the um the subway station, you know. And uh Billy goes in and of course there's the old wizard, Egyptian wizard Shazam, who uh, summoned him and uh, basically tells Billy, uh, pronounce my name. It was funny. It's like the first thing he says, uh, this is the best part. <clears throat> I am Shazam, an Egyptian wizard. I have summoned you, my boy, in order to pass along to you my powers, for my hours are numbered. Come closer. Uh, 
Yes, sir. And then the old man's yelling at him, pronounce my name, Billy Batson. <laughs> and so he goes, Shazam? And then again, we get the panel of the boom. The orphan boy turns into uh, Captain Marvel, the world's mightiest mortal was born. And Shazam says, I name you Captain Marvel. That mind, Captain Marvel. <laughs> uh <laughs> And so hence we have the story of Captain Marvel. And then, of course, right after that, the block of stone above Shazam's head smashes down and kills him. <laughs> so it's like, I'm the great wizard uh, Shazam, and I just died. And then all of a sudden his ghost comes out, uh, the spirit of the dead Shazam. And is that a explains, force ghost right there? Yeah, is it a force ghost, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did he get retconned? How's that work? Um but he goes, uh, tells Captain Marvel, uh, you know, here's your powers and wisdom of the six great gods, Solomon's wisdom, Hercules' strength, Atlas' stamina, Zeus's power, Achilles' courage, and Mercury's speed. Um, so, yeah. And uh, then also there's the big incense burner, you know. Now I must go. If you need me, just light the incense burner. Basically how Billy is able to summon the spirit of Shazam uh, whenever he needs to. And then we go back to Shazam tapping it out. You know, because basically Shazam's in the physical body lives on the rock of eternity, but his spirit is in the subway channel, basically, if you want to think of it that way, Um, because of because it has to be because but to continue the record of Black Adam, Billy Batson left the observatory after Captain Marvel had saved the astronomer dot dot dot. I love that he etched in dot dot dot. (laughs) And then uh, we meet up with Freddie Freeman at his newsstand. And uh, Freddie and Billy are talking about uh, the mysterious object that's supposed to be coming in. Of course, Freddie is there with his crutch, and they're talking about how the object coming in, uh, the scientist said it's small, so it won't be very dangerous at all. And then uh, at that moment, this old couple are driving in a car, and the guy driving is like, hey, look up, coming right down over the city. And he's pointing, not looking where he's driving. The lady next to him says, watch your driving, Clem. Look out. You're going to hit that boy. As Billy's walking the street, he's the one who almost gets hit. And so, of course, Freddie says, Billy doesn't see that car. I'd better say Captain Marvel, which he does. Bam! There it is again. Freddie Freeman changes Captain Marvel and saves Billy Batson. So the world's mightiest boy saves Billy. Uh, Shazam now has to record, hey, Freddie Freeman, where did he, you know, come from? Uh, It says, Freddie Freeman, a poor newsboy, was one day nearly killed by an injury that will leave him forever a cripple. And basically... uh, Billy knew him. He was dying. Billy takes him to the underground abode at the subway station, lights the uh, incense burner, and asks Shazam if he could heal him. Can you save him? And uh, Shazam tells him, well, you know, you must pass along some of your powers to you, so speak his name. So he says Shazam. And just as he does that, uh, Freddie Freeman regains consciousness. And once he said Captain Marvel, um, he murmured the hero's name. There was a blinding flash of lightning that changed him into Captain Marvel Jr., um, so they're both superheroes now. So Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr. Again, some backstory chips it in and goes, and that's how Captain Marvel Jr. The world's mightiest boy came into being. Uh, so he's chipping away in this story more. So now Captain Marvel Jr. AKA Freddie Freeman and Billy Batson are standing there. Look, the strange objects arrived. It's a human form flashing down from space at the speed of light comes the sinister being known as black Adam. And uh, Black Adam's thinking to himself, at last I've reached Earth after flying for 5,000 years from the farthest star where I was banished by old Shazam. And uh, he flies down and he's in his black outfit, obviously with the yellow lightning bolt. And he just kind of lands right in the middle of traffic. And he's uh, talking to himself about how the world's different from when he was last knew it, but he will conquer it and rule it. And all of a sudden a cop comes up, says you're blocking traffic. (laughs) And he just smacks the cop, just bam. He says, fool, you're talking to Mighty Adam, better known as Black Adam. I take orders from no one. You know, he looks sort of like Dracula. Oh, he totally does, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I think that was pointed done on chin. purpose. Yeah. yeah, he's got that pointed chin and a little bit of the nose, and he's got the um, the widow's peak really pronounced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then the cop just decides to shoot him. <laughs> he goes, holy smoke, the bullets bounce from him, just like Captain Marvel. And uh, this is great, it's like, Black Adam's going to fold him in half. So Black Adam then grabs a cop and he goes, idiot, for that I'll break you in half like a twig. And he's got the cop over his knee getting ready just to, you know, break him in half. And then all of a sudden, uh, Captain Marvel Jr. flies in, flies in and just punches uh, Black Adam right in the face with a pal. Nothing happens. He says, silly boy, you can't hurt Black Adam, but watch what I do to you now. And he punches Captain Marvel Jr. and nothing happens to him. 
So basically, Billy Batson's setting off to the side. He sees Black Adam and Captain Marvel Jr. just trading punches, but nobody's happening. So uh, Billy says, well, I need to get in help. And so he joins the fight, says Shazam. And again, the boom, which I love that. The single panel, the boom. Now you know what's happening every time, which is awesome. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Captain Marvel appears and uh, just hits uh, the world's mightiest mortal, delivers the world's mightiest blow. If he survives this punch, he's really good. And he just hits Black Adam and he just stands there. Wham. Yeah, wham. Holy moly, he did survive. And he goes, bah, I'm your equal. You can't whip me. Uh, and then he goes, but and he's thinking to himself now. But at the same time, I can't whip them. This is very queer. I used to be the most powerful man on earth in the old days. Now these two can slug it out with me. I have to think this all over. I'll lose myself in a crowd and escape. So Black Adam just runs into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, I, and I'm thinking, wait, you, got, you guys can fly. So just go up above and watch, you know. But no, he runs into the crowd and escapes. And um, so they can't find him. Like, nobody would notice, you know, a guy in a black yeah. costume with a yeah, black lightning bolt on the shirt. Yeah. yeah, he went that way. Nope. So uh, they're wondering where he went from. So they're like, well, we need to go talk to old Shazam. And as they're walking down the street, you see Black Adam peeking around the corner. And they talk about going to the old subway. And uh, they're back to their boy forms. Black Adam saw them change and realizes that they have the old powers. They have the powers of old Shazam like him. So uh, now they'll lead me right to Shazam against whom I want revenge. <laughs> so they go back, they light it, and um, Shazam tells them the story. You know, they say, hey, there's this guy. Um, uh, Shazam says, I'm here. What is the trouble, my children? And Billy says, who is Black Adam, sir? He came from here from Earth. He came here to Earth from space. And Shazam says, what? Black Adam is back on Earth even after I banished him to the farthest star? And he goes, well, just listen. Or, ah, hearken, and I'll tell you his terrible story. And then, of course, it shows him chipping it. It was then I told Billy Batson and Freddie Freeman about Black Adam <laughs> 5,000 years before, and he's chiseling it into the wall. So he must have the whole cave in there chiseled. Right. You know, everything <laughs> yeah. that happens, you know, he chis He doesn't tell them to their face. Yeah. He said, well, go, go read the wall, but wait, give me about two days so I can mm -hmm. chisel it into the wall. Yeah. And these aren't <laughs> small letters either. I mean, these are probably each letter six <laughs> inches. You know, he's just chiseling it in. You know, he's got huge forearms. It goes back in time and shows Shazam. And he says, I picked Teth Adam, whose soul I thought was good and pure. There's a Shazam telling the world needs a powerful champion to combat the evil which infests it. Pronounce my name. Like randomly just telling people, say my name, you know. So uh, and so Teth Adam's all Shazam. And he boom, the lightning bolt. And then uh, he's changed. And, he said, and Shazam tells him, go and fight the evil in the world. But soon after discovering his great new powers, mighty Adam plotted evilly. I'm the most powerful man on earth. Why shouldn't I be ruler of all mankind? I will invade the palace out of my way, worms. And he pushes two Egyptian guards out of the way. And then the other guards are throwing spears at him. And he want, goes to the pharaoh and says, get off that throne, pharaoh. I want it. Basically, he uh, breaks the pharaoh's neck, which is great. He goes and grabs the pharaoh, puts him in a headlock, says, for resisting me, you get a broken neck. And snap. And uh, so then mighty Adam became the pharaoh of all of Egypt. He's sitting on the throne, but then uh, Shazam, but an old Shazam appears angrily and talks about how uh, I change your name to Black Adam. You must be punished. You know, instead of Mighty Adam, it's now Black Adam because he's given a bad name. Um, Shazam, uh, Black Adam tells him, you can't punish me. Nothing can harm or destroy me. And Shazam says, no, but I can banish you from the earth. Go, Black Adam, to the farthest star in this universe. And just Black Adam raises up and is just shot through space. And uh, Adam, as he's being flung, says, I'm being hurled through space to the farthest star, but I will return someday. If it takes all eternity, I will return for revenge. So this is the spirit of Shazam telling both Billy and Freddy this. 5,000 years later, a new idea came. Why not bestow my powers on a boy who would be pure and unsullied by the world? Billy Batson. So that's why he decided to give his powers. And then Billy asked, well, how did he get back to Earth? Shazam says, little did I think he could do it. He must have flown through space at the speed of light for 5,000 years. He is a terrible menace, and you must track him down. And they say, we will, sir. Goodbye and thanks. But just as they do that, Black Adam strikes from hiding. And somehow, <laughs> he gets them both. He gets a uh, handkerchief around both their mouths at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> And they're both gagged, so they can't say Captain Marvel or Black Adam. Black Adam's thinking about killing them, which will be revenge against the old wizard. But meanwhile, Billy's sister Mary receives a phone call from Station Wiz, which is, you know, Billy works. And uh, they haven't seen Billy. He's missed his broadcast. 
And there's Mary and Uncle Dudley standing there. She goes, golly, I'm worried, Uncle Dudley. What happened to Billy? He goes, well, maybe he just went to visit Freddie Freeman. We'll go to Freddie's newsstand. Freddie's not there. So they're both worried. They're like, wait, let's go to old Shazam. He's always said to see him in case of deep trouble. So they head to the subway station. They get there just as soon as they see, you know, Black Adam deciding to kill them. So they say their magic words, Shazam. This is the best part. Uh, Uncle Marvel, uh, Mary Marvel and Uncle Marvel. So basically Mary Marvel uh, one day, Billy Batson received the thrilling news from a dying nurse that he had long-lost sister, Mary Batson. Mary was later captured and held for ransom by crooks. Billy came to her rescue but was nabbed also by the Desperados. And again, they gag him. And Mary's trying to tell him, Billy, shout your magic word, but he can't. But Mary thinks, Billy can't. He's helpless and can't change the Captain Marvel. But wait, maybe I can change too. After all, I'm Billy's sister, so maybe the magic power will work for me too. I'll try it. She says Sazam and turns into Mary Marvel. And then now she goes and saves her brother. So Shazam. That, that felt a little odd right. there. That felt right. A, right? <laughs> yeah, that uh, she yeah, wasn't was this dude with any power previously. If she nope. just said the yeah, word. I mean, well, like, maybe because we're siblings, it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she says it turns into Mary Marvel. And I love that uh, Shazam puts on the wall. I granted Mary Marvel the Shazam powers like her brother. As for Uncle Marvel. Well, now there's something I can't quite explain myself. He's not a true Marvel, Marvel at all. He's a fraud. And he chips that on the wall because basically Uncle Dudley, he shouts it and pretends to change by magic, but there is none. So he just whisks away outer clothing, revealing a red suit that he made. Right. In this suit, <laughs> if you've never seen Uncle Marvel uh, or Uncle Dudley, his yeah. suit is very tight fitting. Yeah. He's a fat dumpling of a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love Mary. Uh, he thinks we never see him do that, but he's such a lovable old fraud that we've all accepted him into the Marvel family. So he goes in, <laughs> and then he's like, I'll go fight Black Adam. Knowing full well that he really doesn't have powers, Black Adam just punches him and says, back you over stuff, old imbecile. I'm like, how does that not kill Uncle Dudley? <laughs> Maybe he was pulling his punches. I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be, yeah. But Uncle Dudley tells Mary, I've softened him up, Mary. You can finish him off. And she goes up and punches him, and... Does nothing, but while Mary's fighting him, he's able to unmuffle both Freddy and Billy, and they say their words. And again, some lightning flashes, and uh, all of them are just kicking Black Adam at the same time. He's like, keep it up all day if you like. I don't feel a thing. Um, and it shows Mary punching him in the face, Freddy punching him in the gut. Looks like Billy or Captain Marvel's getting ready to just kick him out behind the leg. Yeah, he looks like he's just going to kick yeah. him from behind. yeah. And uh, so Uncle Dudley goes and lights the um, the burner, you know, and asking Shazam, how do we get him? And Shazam says, get him to speak my name. So Uncle Dudley runs over and says, stop, kids. He's so strong. Let's make him a member of the Marvel family. After all, he got his powers from old Mazam. I mean, Ham Shaz. No, I mean, Sham has. Uh, and all of a sudden, Black Adam says, you sputtering old fool. You mean Shazam. And oops. <laughs> oops. Black Adam says, oops. No, I didn't mean to say that word. I was tricked. Take it back. It's Go the old trick me to say the word yeah. that changes me into a normal human yep. trick. Then the uh, magic lightning blasts down, and he's an old man. And Black Adam changes to his other form of Teth Adam. And uh, Captain Marvel's there and says, good work, Uncle. Now before this black guard can say that word again, and just as Teth Adam is saying shiz, and he goes, ugh, because uh, Billy just caved his face in. And it says, look, he's turning into a withered old man. And uh, the old man, the old wizard Shazam says, yes, my children, you see, is over 5,000 years old. The moment he changed back to his mortal form of Teth Adam, he aged. He will only be a skeleton in a moment. Black Adam is destroyed. And then Shazam says, my deepest thanks. You have destroyed my most terrible mistake. I'm glad I left my powers in the hands of the great and good Marvel family. Farewell. And then the ending. And thus... Was Black Adam destroyed by the Mighty Marvel family? This is all chiseled in again, but that is only <laughs> one of their great, many great deeds. There are many more chapters of the Marvel family story to record on the Rock of Eternity, for the fight against all evil is waged tireless, tirelessly and unceasingly. The end. So, uh, overall, a fun intro to the Marvel family. If you don't know who they are, an intro to Black Adam, and of course, he dies in his first story. Much like Joker, remember when Joker first appeared in his comics, uh, he died in the same up issue, and then they bring him back. So right, yep, um, yep. <laughs> it's like it's like wait a minute, people like this guy, we'll bring him back. And uh, obviously, the family now is no longer called the Marvel family. If you want to know more about that, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on it, but go and read on it. There's a big yeah. <laughs> 
So now it's just Shazam. Yeah. yeah, I'll be interested to see what everybody's called. Will it be Shazam Junior? Right. Yeah. Because they never Mary said their names Shazam. in the movie. Yeah. And then they have a couple different other Shazams. I'm just curious. And it's not like he can go and say, hey, what's your name, superhero? And he can say right. Shazam because he changes back. Can't actually mm-hmm. say his name. So I'm curious yeah, how that's going to play out. But so if you like the movie and you really want to know about more about Shazam, fun little stories, kind of think of like old school Superman stories, but from a teenage kid being able to have these powers, that's why the movie was so great because he really did a great job of acting like a teenager who had superpowers and it was awesome. So, yep. yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. I hadn't read that before until you picked it out. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, pretty good. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff with Shazam. All the old stories are great. I started reading Shazam again after the new 52, and I just wasn't too in, enthralled with it. So, um, but there's some, you know, the story about Billy from Kingdom Come is pretty crazy, you know, and that story oh, yeah. is lying. Yep. That's grown. And then actually from 52, that story with Black Adam, that's actually a really great storyline. That is. They, um, did, they uh, yeah. recently just... traded that whole story. It's in one story when the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah, so that is really good. We're at the end. He's just walking around saying random words, which is just like, wow. <laughs> that was good. So, But yeah, so cool. Phew! That was a close one, buddy. Good thing I had my indestructible shield over here. Look, Cap, I've only hit it once. This is not my fault! So we will jump right into my old book. And my old book is a series that I read off and on in the 80s and into the 90s. And I jumped on, jumped off, but this was something that I read recently. And I'm like, this, this, this issue is so entertaining that I have to talk about it on the show because... There's a lot of aspects to this that I had forgotten about, actually. My <laughs> my book that I picked is Captain America 318 from June 10th, 1986. I want to say I, I love the cover to this with the roller skates. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The blue streak breaks out. War on wheels. And, of course, you have Captain America on the motorcycle. That and check out Cap's great new headgear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's an arrow that points down to his headgear, and it says, check out Cap's great new headgear. <laughs> it reminds me of that Captain America movie when I was a kid that came out. I think around oh, that yeah. same time he had that helmet. I was yeah. like, oh, man. <laughs> so your writer on this one is Mark Grunewald. Your rough penciler, which I can't remember books saying that, but in those days I, I didn't really yeah. pay attention to who the creative team was. Yeah. So Paul Neary was your rough penciler. Dennis Janke was ink finisher. Diane Albers letterer. Ken was the colors. And... <laughs> Come on, say that last name. <laughs> Fiduni <laughs> Wiz Wicks. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to try. Sorry, we apologize. But yeah. Yeah. So as we jump in this book, we see the Serpent Society. And if you were reading Captain America back then, the Serpent Society played a heavy role in the Cap book. And leading into this issue, there's an ongoing thread of somebody's killing uh, villains. So it it goes into the story, but it it showed up in some previous issues. But we start off and we have the Death Adler, because Serpent Society, every villain has a snake name, of course. He is delivering the untrustworthy Princess Python back to the circus of crime for some kind of ransom. And he's in his little uh, flying saucer. I don't know. You know, it has like two bug eyes on top of it. (laughs) And they look like bug eyes on top of it. And it gets hit by something. It crashes. And they survive. The Death Adler is carrying... Adder. Adder? Yeah. I keep saying Adler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's okay. It's a snake. It's an adder, but yeah. Gotcha. The Death Adder (laughs) carries Princess Python out before his ship explodes. He doesn't know where what shot him down or anything like that. And he decides, I don't really want to carry her all the way to the circus of crime. And she's knocked out 
because of the chloroform we administered. So he he uh, he waves down a taxi, and Death Adder looks like an amphibian of some sort with a human head with, like, uh, these big old claws and a big old tail. So he's waving out in the street this taxi, and then the guy, there's a guy already in the taxi. Well, he just throws him aside, throws him, <laughs> throws him out. And he tells the taxi driver, hey, you're going to take me wherever I want to get. He looks like Savage Dragon, but with a tail. Yeah, yeah, he, he looks. <laughs> That's what he looks he like. Looks, yeah. And he says, oh, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. He says, who are you supposed to be, Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, after that, he shoots the Death Adder in the chest with some kind of, almost looks like a Tommy gun or something. Mm-hmm. He takes off. You see the taxi driver from behind, and he takes off a mask that he was wearing. So he says, justice is served, Death Adder. So he's obviously the killer they've been uh, talking about. And then the scene switches over to Cap, and he's bringing all his stuff to Avengers Mansion. And he's going to take a little road trip. And you see Hercules, you see Namor, and you see the Wasp. Mm-hmm. And he says he's going to take a road trip, but he'll be back for meetings every Saturday. He'll just call in and they'll come pick him up, which is very interesting. And then uh, <laughs> you got to make that Saturday meeting. Yep. I mean, this is before the Internet, before all that. Now they could just FaceTime or something like that or Skype. But, yeah, has to be back for the meeting. And uh, he he goes out into the driveway there to look at his brand new blue band blue van <laughs> that looks oh, yeah. it looks like a you know one of those bug vw bug van a mm-hmm. little bit it doesn't have like anything in front it's almost like straight down but he said it was come some kind of it's a custom chevy van chevy yeah <laughs> which that's weird yeah. i don't i don't remember the chevy vans ever looking like that but it's custom uh, the Black Panther hooked him up with a guy, and he has all these features on it, which we'll see the features. And uh, as he's leaving, the Wasp is talking to him. And, uh, sir, are you still, are you giving up your job as the comic artist? And he says, nope. My editor at Marvel wasn't thrilled about not having a permanent mailing address, but I told him I'd check in every couple of days. That, I for, had forgotten about that. He was an artist for Marvel, which is pretty funny. Pretty funny. So he's headed off to see America. He checks in with his hotline. They had the Captain America hotline, which we showed several issues ago that anybody needs something or there's trouble, they call the hotline and you can get a hold of Captain America. Why not? <laughs> so so kind of interesting. So next we see a bar that has a big clothes sign on it. And it's called The Bar With No Name. And it's basically a criminal establishment where your villains can go and hang out. And and um, this gentleman walks in and they want to see uh, ID right away. And he says, I've been here every day, every, every other night for the past six months. And he has to show his ID anyway. He goes up to the bar, orders a drink, and he says, there's a guy over in the corner that that wants to talk to you, something might be interesting. So the guy at the table introduces himself as Gary Gilbert. He said he used to call himself Firebrand before, uh, before I don't know if he went clean or, or went to jail or whatever, didn't say, but he said he was in Iron Man number 27 and he always hassled Iron Man. And he says, you can just call me the Blue Streak, the redheaded guy is the Blue Streak. So... He shows them a lot of articles of other criminals being shot, found dead, that sort of thing. And he wants some help. They they want to all to get together and try to find who this gunman that are killing all their brethren, the, the criminals. And Blue Streak doesn't really want to have too much to do with it. He's like, nah. He says, it sounds like you're leading us to other to be the victims you're leading us astray or whatever he says i don't want to be a part of that he says i'm not trying to organize an underground network to locate and eliminate the killer but he would welcome him being a part of that and he says he ain't a joiner so we switch back to captain america and we see him (laughs) driving his van 
And he decides to flip his little switch. And the little switch in the van actually can make the van get a new paint job in about 15 seconds. Which is kind of interesting because it comes in red, white, blue, and yellow. <laughs> but he doubts he'll use yellow that much, so it'll be just red, white, or blue. So Something about the alignment of special crystals. Right, right. <laughs> so he's driving down the road, and uh, somebody zipped by him. He said it looked like a man. And the police was coming after this person. And he comes up a little further around the bend, and the police car didn't make the curve, and it went down and flipped over. And, and Cap goes down and helps them, um, radios from help. And then when another police car comes, and he has, you know, Cap back in the 80s had a phone in his van, too. I guess he already had the technology. So, uh, and it was some guy on roller skates that was, you know, uh, <laughs> that they were after. So, oh my goodness. He, he stops at a rest stop and he recognizes somebody coming out of the, the restroom and he's like, I never forget him a, a face in this line of work. And he says, wait a minute, do I know you? And the guy says, no way, chum. And then Cap remembers he says, aren't you the blue streak? And it says, Cap met him in number, last met him in number 217. And he says, yeah, you got a haircut, but it's you all right. So the guy tries to throw a punch, and Cap kind of catches it with his hand. And then uh, the blue streak is kind of thinking, maybe this is the killer that the Gilbert guy told me about. He's, and he says, who the heck are you, one of those shield turkeys? And Cap just said, yeah, I worked for Nick Fury before, but I want to ask you a couple. And then the blue streak takes out his glove out of his bag and shoots some kind of white laser. He ends up destroying his own car, but he gets away. He has enough time to run somewhere, run to the bathroom, I think. He runs and get his blue streak <laughs> costume on. Oh, my goodness. And he says, okay, S.H.I.E.L.D. man, time for you to have your head handed to you, courtesy of the meanest mother on eight wheels, the oh, blue my streak. And there's some good lines in here. Because Cap, instead of chasing him, you know, he's going to put on his costume. Cap put on his costume. Why chase him <laughs> before yep. he put on his costume? And he, and he sees him as Captain America, and he's like, you're Captain America. <laughs> and Cap doesn't say too much. And he says, I wish I would have got a better look at his mug. And then he says to him, this is the best line in the whole yes, book. Yes, it is. You scare me as much as an old cheese sandwich. <laughs> oh, that, my goodness. That That's pretty rich. I yeah. need to start saying that, you know. <laughs> Scare me as much as an old cheese Yeah, sandwich. I wonder what, what people will be staring at me or, yeah, you know, it's. Uh... <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So they have a little battle. Uh, the blue streak shoots some lasers again. Cap throws his shield, knocks him down, and it looks like he breaks one of his jets, boot jets. So he goes off and Cap, he goes in his van. And he comes out of his band in his motorcycle with his cool helmet with an antenna, with an antenna yes. on it. And he does oh a wheelie gosh. out of the van. He picks up his shield and he goes off after the blue streak. And this, he's chasing them around these mountain roads and they're windy. If you go off the road, you're like dead meat. It's not going to be good. So he, he's chasing them. The guy only has, as I said, one jet is working, but he decides to throw some kind of tax or something that's going to blow his tires. And this is actually a pretty cool part because Cap sees that these these uh, attacks or whatever, what would you call mm -hmm. them? Were he shooting at them? Well, he threw, he threw, he shot at them, but then he threw these tacks on the road so he would get a oh. flat tire. Yeah, those are like the Caltrips, basically, yeah. is what he threw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he actually takes his shield and throws his shield across the road. Yep. To have to clear out the tax so he can drive through without getting a flat tire. So then he comes up to the bin and he notices that there's his roller skate and he's like, oh no, he went over the edge. And then he sees his helmet hanging from a tree from the cliff. And then the, you see Cap goes over the edge to try to find his body. Cap thinks he's dead. 
and then you see the blue streak. He threw his helmet over to kind of as a decoy to make Cap think that he was dead or whatever, and then blue streak thumbs it, and he gets on a truck with a 16-wheeler, and it sounds like this, the guy that was leading the 16-wheeler uh, takes him out because, again, you hear a pump spack. <laughs> But remember, though, he tries to take the motorcycle. Oh, fudge, he took the key with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fudge, he took the key. Yeah, took the key. But if he would have stole the motorcycle, he would be like, oh, he was still alive, obviously, because he stole my motorcycle. So, yeah, and it continues next issue, Search for the Scourge, who is this guy that's killing all these supervillains, but... I thought this was this issue was so corny and so kind. Of, the villain was so ridiculous yeah. <laughs> on roller skates. Uh, yeah. What what does he need the helmet for? I'd like to know. He could have just had a mask. He has a helmet with like a breathing apparatus or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. ridiculous. It was it was very entertaining. The dialogue, especially in some of these eighty books, the dialogue is very outrageous and pretty funny so well, he calls captain america son of a bimbo at <laughs> one point <laughs> yeah well you so did have that comics like... code authority you don't want to yep. yeah push it too much but it's interesting the, the roller skates because you think was would you say it was 83 right when it came out uh, i think it was 88 okay so when did the roller derby movie come out is what i want to know it might have been after that i guess but Roller ball was 75. I'm like, why would they do roller skates? You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't so, have yeah. any idea. And this was That's during so the time that, you know, these books actually interconnected. It was sort of like a yeah. soap opera. And other comics were doing this around this time. And now, you know, they, that's how they do storytelling, basically. But yeah. back then, this was something a little new because usually it didn't continue you know, back in the 50s, 60s, or whatever, or earlier, it was one-and-done stories, and they didn't connect. And this has an ongoing story arc. I mean, mm -hmm. it's one issue. It tells a story, but it has an ongoing theme that goes into issue. And that's why I really enjoyed these, and these were a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like we've talked in the past where we love the story arcs. Some of them go on for too long. We miss the one-shots. You know, it's like, how do you... You know, I don't want to have to read 13 issues to see what's going on. Like if it's a three or four story arc, sure, you know, things like that. But yeah, right, fun story yeah. though. I mean, dude on roller, rocket roller skates of all things. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Atomic <laughs> batteries to power. All right, so uh, welcome back to Too Old, Too New. We've gone through both of our old comics, and now for our new comics. Um, obviously, with me, it's going to be a Batman comic. Um, getting back onto the Batman train, uh, I decided to pick Batman Detective Comics issue 1009, Flash Frozen by Freeze. Info about the writers and the artists. So this is Story and Words by Peter J. Tomasi. Christian Deuce is the artist. Uh, Louis Guerrero is the colorist. And Rob Lee is the letterer. Uh, Doug Mankey and David Barron did the cover, which is a great cover. It's a great cover to it. Oh, yeah. I love how the Batman Detective Comics logo is yeah. like encased in ice. Yeah, it's that's, pretty sweet. Yeah, that's very The cool way they did it. And then, of course, Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger, which I love that they've started doing that. So yes. uh, Bill Finger gets his due, which is amazing. So, but yeah, the logo on the front with the Batman Detective Comics in case nice, just a great cover overall. But the cover is misleading, uh, which we'll get to. Obviously, when you you have Freeze on the cover, you're expecting a full-on Freeze issue, and uh, that's not the case. Um, uh, this comic starts with uh, basically uh, Batman just punching a dude in the teeth. And it's and you it's Alfred is talking to him as Batman is out fighting crime. You know, it starts out with, sir, you've been out every night this month. And then the guy that got punched in the face is tied up in front of and dropped off in front of the police station with a sign that says, tried mugging a fellow citizen. I will confess. And uh, the first few pages uh, go through that with Alfred in his ear reminding him, hey, you've got a meeting in Singapore. 
Um, next up, there's a group of four guys tied up to a telef- uh, uh, street light, and it says, tried robbing a bus of senior citizens. We will confess. Um, kind of like, if you think about it, the um, there's been other storylines that have done this, but really it harkens back to the Dark Knight uh, movie. Uh, remember where the uh, money man got captured in Tokyo, tied up in front of uh, the police station, said for Commissioner Gordon. Or, yeah. yeah, so... So, yeah, uh, things like that where it's just a neat thing, which older comics, you know, Batman used to do that. And, again, uh, the first few pages, it's just Batman fighting crime. And uh, the final one is there's a bunch of guys up on top of the uh, police station with the bat signal with the sign that says, tried robbing a wedding, we will confess. They're all knocked out. But the interesting (laughs) thing is he leaves all the guns with them. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little. little Wait a minute. And he's like. When you see him standing on the gargoyle, he's, like, so bloody. Yeah. He, like, yeah. went from person to person. He just didn't wipe off blood. He just yeah. kept punching. And <laughs> yeah, it's just all over him, and it's titled Survivor. So you get that classic gargoyle pose. Great art right here, too. So, I mean, it's it's a great look. Um, and then you get kind of like a classic Batmobile look. So then again, Alfred in his ear may also remind you for the millionth time that your responsibilities do not end when the sun rises. Batman's all like, I'm home, Alfred. You can go to bed. <laughs> He's got this cleaner in the Batcave. Yeah, he that's, goes in. that's pretty cool. I haven't seen anything yeah. like that before. It's like you, disinfectant or something, probably. Right, yeah, you think of it as a clean room, you know, where you get sprayed down, but he stands there in his in his bat suit. And all the blood goes in the drain. There's yeah, the like blood's a drain just draining. It's like, this is a brutal Batman, you know? And then, of course, uh, Ace the Bat-Hound shows up, you know, and uh, he says, good boy, Ace, how'd you like a job as a butler? Classic Batcave scene. You've got the T-Rex, the giant penny. And if you look off to the side there, you see the other Batmobile that looks like the one from the most recent Batman movies, actually, if you look at the front. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting uh, that I noticed. Bruce goes inside, you know, closes blackout blinds and uh, goes to sleep. He's woken up by Alfred then. Oh, he lays down at 6.05. 607 the clock shows and there's light and it's um basically alfred is just opening up the windows like yeah you're not going to sleep uh funny line though is uh bruce says i'm going to kill you and alfred says i have it on good authority that batman does not kill (laughs) and uh bruce looking out the window says and i have it on good authority he's willing to make an exception (laughs) alfred's just talking to him hey you've got a long day ahead of you yada yada and so forth and then it goes to a scene that says elsewhere and you see this big red dot and first, you know, it looks like Brother Eye, honestly. If you're just looking panel to panel, and then you see the sleeve with the gun, you're like, oh, it's Deadshot. Yes. Yeah. Shows Deadshot's eye again with the red, you know, his reticle. And it says, uh, you there, Lawton? I'm incoming. And Lawton's got all these bottles lined up. Shoots them, and he's just talking. Yep. The guy's saying, Mark Man Landing Zone. And he reminds him, he goes, and when I'm working, it's Deadshot. And uh, he throws down a landing zone. The one thing about this is Deadshot's new mask cover, I'm not a fan of yeah you know i was just thinking about that i like yeah. his old look i'm not so big into this like armor type of yeah. thing especially yeah, it looks like the sweater yeah. without the blades <laughs> especially the headgear i'm not yeah. i don't love it i understand yeah. to a certain point why he has i mean it's the face mask basically it takes yeah. something away i don't know quite know what that is but yeah. yeah, you can keep the reticle, but the rest of it literally looks like the shredder from Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, Deadshot's talking trash to this guy who's dropping in on a on a halo jump, you know, and basically tells the guy, you should have dropped at least 20 feet lower before you hit the silk, meaning his parachute. And the guy's like, you're an expert on halo jumps now, are you? And uh, the guy says, I thought you were just a hired gun, Lawton, because he calls him by his name again versus Deadshot. And he says, give me a drive. So he hands him a thumb drive. Deadshot puts it into his helmet. Reading, all, getting all the mission directives basically, and goes okay, excellent. Came in account deposit mission directives. First one being that our employer wants me to tie up loose ends, nothing personal, and just blast the dude, you know, who dropped it. And he goes, well, maybe a little, <laughs> just yeah. And then you got Deadshot, and it's like again, classic outfit except for the helmet, just I don't know, just different, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, all the armor on his legs now, it's more more armor on his shins and knees and everything. Still cool. It's Deadshot. If you guys know me, I love Deadshot. If he's written really well, like back Secret Six when he was in that, it was amazing. 
And then it says Gotham National Headquarters. There's Bruce and basically the board of directors and all these other CEOs and stuff. Bruce sitting there and Lucius Fox is up there giving a presentation about cutting emissions and so forth. And uh, Bruce is being Bruce, you know, acting like Bruce. Everyone's bored. Anyone else bored? I'm bored. <laughs> and it's just like that's the Bruce Wayne, how Bruce should be. You know, he's a bored playboy in charge of all this money. And um, uh, basically uh, Lucia says the other American corporations trying to level off similar but competitive presentations. Bruce, sorry if you find it dull, but sometimes saving the planet isn't as exciting as calling, say, the Justice League. And I love this line, though. Bruce is like, maybe, but wouldn't it be great if I could just pay Superman to blow all the pollution up to space? And he goes, can he do that? <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. And they're talking about uh, this environment initiative and doing things. And uh, basically, Bruce is just like, okay, look, Lucius, you're in charge of all this. All the CEOs are going to fly on the same plane. Uh, we're not going to use different ones, so forth. So, And they're talking about none of the CEOs are going to like it. You know, None of the CEOs are happy about having to share a jet. And Alfred's making sure that Bruce brought along his work clothes, you know. And Lucius is like, well, how did you agree to all these CEOs doing this? He goes, I promised them 10 hours of unencumbered access to my chief financial officer, which is Lucius, which is funny. And then they're packing Bruce's bags on, and the flight's going along just fine, shows the plane up. They're just talking, talking. And again, Bruce is being the um, boring, you know, never trust a machine. They're talking about some new e-car and about maybe the Wayne Industries buying it. Bruce is talking about how it's terrible, terrible, yada, yada. And uh, the pilot's talking about putting the plane on autopilot. The co-pilot's like, what's he say? Uh, autopilot's great, ain't it, Captain? He goes, yeah, but we're headed in storm. I may take her back to the manual approach. He goes, nah, I should have waited that long. He goes, never trust a machine to do a man's work, which is a line Bruce just said earlier about the electrical vehicles. And basically Deadshot pulls off his wig and has got his gun. Basically he's threatening the uh, other pilot. And he goes, now close your eyes. i got to change for work, bit on the shy side, which is funny. So he, he changes into his Deadshot outfit in the cockpit. <laughs> and uh, here's his little Deadshot. suitcase. That it, yeah, little suitcase with all this armor packed into it. Yeah, which would never really. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> basically he's threatening everybody. And Bruce is like, Lucius, get down. Bruce is trying to figure out what to do. Basically, Floyd obviously doesn't know he's Batmaning, and and Lucius tells him, no, Bruce, not now. And he goes, yeah, Bruce, do what your dad says and just sit back and make yourselves. And uh, just as he says that, the plane gets hit by lightning, um, which tears a hole in the plane, which doesn't actually happen, but it's good for story. (laughs) So everybody's flying around the plane. Pilot's trying to hold on to control of it. Bruce is running around basically in a plane that's falling, buckling everybody in, trying to get everybody into their seats. There's a gal holding onto the back of a seat. She's being pulled out, and he's telling her to go limp so he could reel her into a seat, puts her down, gets her in, and uh, Deadpool's there. He says, if we survive this, I'm taking you out first, Boy Scout. Um, and then Lucius is telling him, brace yourselves. You know, we're going to hit. And he finishes buckling in a gal. The plane ends up crash landing. You see it coming in, crash landing. Bruce is just standing up, basically, holding onto Lucius' seat, and Deadpool's in the back. Plane just lands tears apart people go flying bruce is just like groaning and then all of a sudden he's torn out of the plane and lucius is like no finally deadshot gets tossed out and what you see is burning wreckage and it says next hell in the pacific you know so obviously they're on some random pacific island next page is the gotham pine barrens and it says soon nora and you see uh mr freeze's face and nora obviously his wife in this cryo chamber and just little sections of her at first, though, when you see the picture of her feet, it looks like she's got six toes. <laughs> but <laughs> the way it was yeah, drawn, yeah. I had to go and count. I was like, what? Oh, okay. It's both of her feet next to each other. And she's in that cryo chamber. It's uh, free saying, so very soon we will once again be together and our love will burn bright. To be continued. Well, if you read the last issue that kind of, you know, Lex Luthor said he was going to give him whatever he wanted and he wanted exactly. his wife back. Yeah, and so the comic from the cover makes you think, cool, Freeze story. I like Freeze. Always get a kick out of Freeze. And then it's a Deadshot story with, like, even better. So now I'm excited for the story going on because now it's Bruce versus Deadshot on a jungle island, basically, to mat- Battle of Wits. So hopefully it carries on pretty well. So really not a deep, in-depth story. It's just a st- – it was a very good startup, basically. It was like hey, an intro. There wasn't yep. a lot given to you there. Yeah, and it was a full issue intro. So yeah. the interesting thing will be is we know there's going to be other survivors outside of Bruce. And the way he was acting in the boardroom and on the plane, it's like, how are they going to react to him on the deserted island? So, yeah, should be pretty interesting. And 
Batman wouldn't show up on the deserted island. Exactly. Exactly. So he's going to have to figure out some way to, um, yeah. So that would be interesting. Yep. But who do you think Deadshot was paid to kill? Was it Lucius? Probably, yeah, I'm thinking Lucius. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking Lucius. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. And then they just randomly got struck by lightning, so... Right, but it's like that's gonna be the crappiest jet ever. <laughs> you get that lightning that explodes apart. It's like, man, eh, jets oh, right. are designed yeah. to, uh, you know. Yeah. Again, it's a comic book, so no lightning rods on that one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I will um, understand and take a break from reality. Understand it's a comic book, so I will go with that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Okay, we will go ahead and head to my new book. So when I was looking at new books, I come across this book, and after Shock is a publisher, I've been enjoying a lot of their stuff because they're so different. It's not a lot of superhero stuff, but mm-hmm. I've been enjoying a lot of their stuff. And the biggest thing when it comes to movies, actually back in the 80s, back a little bit into the 90s, are the slasher movies. Mm-hmm. The Friday the 13th movies, the Halloween movies. All that stuff. You know, they weren't going to win any Academy Awards or anything like that, but I enjoyed the heck out of them. And I enjoy a good slasher movie. Maybe not all the gore and all the stuff that is with some of the movies today, but the old school slashers, yeah, I love. So I heard the premise for this, and it's like, yeah, I got to check this one out. So my book is Bad Reception Number 1. Your creator, writer, artist, letterer, cover, and logo design is Wando. Your variant cover, Paul Azacita. And I'm sure I got that wrong. (laughs) But yeah, this issue starts out, it's actually like a talk show. They're on a talk show. You just got words on the first couple of panels. And it's Tech Talk with Seth Howard. No, No. (laughs) Seth (laughs) Friedkin. And he's yep. introducing one of our main characters, and his name is Blaze Bordeaux Davis. Interesting name. And he is a techno ethicist. Am I getting right? Techno And I was yes, like, ethicist. Yep. I'm not going to pretend I even know what that is or even <laughs> begin to know what that is. And it basically, he writes a book. Basically, it's how he teaches people how to behave ethically online like social media and that's even though companies love it when people fight over stuff and you know insult each other and that sort of thing but he wrote a book and that book is called hashtag off the grid how to unplug from social media and connect connect to your primal self so they're going back and forth and as we turn page to page you have a black page with a little splatter, almost looks like, at the first, I don't know what it is, but as we go further and further, it looks like a, a blood splatter as they're doing this interview, and they come up and they talk about this phenomenon called nomophobia, which is the phobia of having no mobile phone, which yeah. I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but it wouldn't surprise me wouldn't surprise me at all because i know Mm -hmm. some people i work with could not live without their so and they also talk he's getting married he's going to have an off the grid wedding and he's engaged to this uh lady named gaya she's a superstar actor singer and she's the most followed person on social media followed by everybody and they're going to have this wedding at a undisclosed location where digital communication devices will be strictly prohibited whatever happens off the grid stays off the grid hashtag off the grid so you know they're sort of having this wedding that's off the grid and he he's the husband to be is writing a book called off the grid that's not a coincidence (laughs) right yeah so as we as saying we had this blood splatter and as the interview is going on um it ends on the like the fourth page and you see a dead body and you, maybe, and she's holding a phone, and it says no signal on it. 
it's off the grid. So I don't know if this is like a future, you know, this is going to happen. It looks like a, she's in a bride's dress. It looks like the bride, possibly, because when you're mm-hmm. introduced to her next, um, it looks like it might be her, but, but, but it's hard to say at this point. But yeah, we're introduced to Gaia, and she just posted about her off-the-grid wedding and that she is not going to be on social media. And they said after she posted this, and they actually show it on the one panel of what she posted. She posted uh, about the wedding and this sort of thing. And she's a little concerned because she does have the nomophobia. Because she had a million, a million likes in one minute. Million like, is there that <laughs> many people that are like that attached to a phone that are liking for some? Yeah. Sol- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you see, Gia and Blaze. I don't know how you pronounce that. Is it Blaze? Blaze? Uh, I think it's Blaze. Blaze. Yeah, he comforts yeah. her with and says she needs to go through this rough detox of not having your phone. And she actually tells the phone, "I'll see you later." And I love you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's a real person. Yeah. And the one thing in the story, we switch into these little mini scenes. It looks like it's out in the wilderness somewhere. You don't know where it is, if it's an island or where it is. But at first you see, you know, nature. And then you see at one point, you see a deer, a buck. Mm. And then you see the buck get struck through the eye with an arrow. (laughs) Which, a little odd. Yeah. That's not... The usual place that uh, if you're hunting, you're going to put an arrow and then uh, the hunter, I assume, is dragging them out. So you do see those little scenes in between. And as far as the wedding goes, they're not going to send any invites out. They're only going to be personal invites. So they decide who they're going to have on the guest list. It's going to be a small wedding. So they have Liz, Gia's manager. They have Demarius, who is... He is homegirl from NYU, and she goes to visit her personally. And they both take, like, private jets mm-hmm. in different directions to go invite their their friends or not really her family so far, but their family. Aaron is Gia's favorite director. He's sort of out of work, and she disguised herself as a pizza delivery person because <laughs> he was fired. It didn't say for exactly what, but he did some kind of prank. And he looks like he is overweight, and he stays in his uh, robe. He stays in his robe, like, all the time and just sits on the couch and eats pizza and stuff. But that's her favorite director. uh, They're going to invite him. Their favorite chef and the photographer that you see, they go visit the photographer. And so things don't get, you know, spoiled on the Internet or whatever, there's going to be a dark room on site on this place that they're going. So everything can develop there and there's not going to be any phones or anything like that. Um, Blaze is going to invite his MA champion friend, Jurek, Mm -hmm. and his girlfriend, Anastasia, which she's very phone phobia. Couldn't be without a phone. There's even a scene that says, you see the guy's eyes get real wide. And he's he's like asking me to tell, my girlfriend to not be on her phone. I'd rather lose my hands because that's not going <laughs> to go over well. Right. But then he said, "Well, we'll work it out." So when we flip back to one of these, another one of these scenes that has like the red and the blues, and it looks like he's gutting this deer. Looks like with his bare hands. I don't know if it's a, he must have a knife. I don't know if I. Yeah, see. there's a knife to cut down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, shows yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So the one of the, the last scenes you get. Gaia wants to invite somebody. She didn't say who it is, but she wants to invite somebody, so she goes to a prison. She's blindfolded as she's brought in. And it's her father that's getting released in a couple of days, and she says, I'd like you to come to my wedding. And as far as the guy that's gutting the deer, is he eating the flesh raw? That's what I was trying to see, the way he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's slashing, and then it almost looks like yeah, he's... It's eating it yeah let me see here he's going through yeah it's like i mean it's it's really cool art but it's kind of not well in the when you have those two colors red and the blue and a lot of dark shading is a little hard to tell on those panels because some of the panels are really small but i i get what they're and he's taking you know his fingers in the blood and he's drawing something and on the final page we get 
the book, Blaze's book, hashtag off the grid. Ah, so it looks like he's eating the heart as I'm looking at it closer. Yeah, that's yeah, what it looks like. Yeah. So yeah, and he took the blood and he's putting a hashtag mm-hmm. on the post Gia made on Twitter or whatever, and blood is just splattered all over the book. So wherever yeah. whoever this gentleman is, this nice gentleman, yeah, uh, he's gonna do some damage. And he's oh, not he's a all there. Of Gaia. Yeah, he's so, not yeah, all there. He's a follower, so, so I know you do some hunting. How many deer have you gutted and you just decide, hey, I'm hungry. I'll just I'll just yeah. chow down right here. Wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just um. No. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh. Yeah, it was crazy. So like going back to the slasher thing, it's a good buildup for this comic. I mean, it's pretty sweet. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I never just take a heart out and eat it. I've gotten my picture with the heart before, which is kind of funny, uh, but never um, took a bite out of it. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoy this. The the one thing that I feel like is going to happen in this book is you're getting some character moments. You find out a little bit about some of the characters that are going to be invited to the wedding. Mm Mm-hmm some background and that sort of thing. And he really does a good job on the characterization. And when you have a story that you care about the characters and the characters are developed, you care more about the story. It reminds me of like, like you said, the slasher movies where, Hey, here's this group we're introducing to them. They're introducing to this group, this group, this group, and we know they're all going to come in at one place and then it's going to be like survival, which is, Kind of cool. So, yeah. 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 It's and, a good and it's a it. pretty good setup. And the topic is kind of in because if you think about the way social media is now, I mm-hmm. mean, there, uh, people post everything in their daily lives. And, and some people do are like addicted to that kind of thing. Always have the fellow, yeah. oh, you walk down the street or something, wherever you are, and people don't look up anymore. Their heads are like in their phones for. Whatever reason they they don't so th- this kind of makes sense the way this is and it's a pretty original idea as far as I can tell so yeah I really yeah. enjoyed this one yeah it was a good read I'm interested this is one I look at and go okay I'll continue reading this one because it got my attention yeah yeah to it where hooked, it's going it so yeah me so yeah aftershock is uh, pretty decent there's there's several books I'm reading from them now that I, I've really enjoyed so nice. So, yeah, that was our two old, two new book. Enjoyed doing this. This was a lot of fun. And if you'd like to contact us on Two Old, Two New, we are on Twitter at Two Old, Two New. And we have an email, Two Old, Two New Podcast at gmail.com. So, was there anything else you'd like to add? No, I'm excited to be back at it cool. and uh, going over the comics. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's awesome. So cool. So we will be back with two old, two new comics. We will see you guys later. We have come to the end of another exciting episode of the Comic Book Podcast, hosted by Bill and Seth. Join us next time. We review two old and two new comic books. Watch ya!